Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's show, I want to dwell on a really big issue. People are asking me, is this sell-off now a buying opportunity? And so I've got Julia Lee to look at this various, uh, very subject and see what she's buying. If she's buying now, see what she's buying. Uh, and is she confident that she's buying at the right time? And then Paul Rickard and myself will go through all the questions that you might want to uh, consider before you decide whether you want to buy now or maybe wait before you come in. And we will discuss a number of stocks that we think look like fantastic value, whether you buy now or whether you wait. So that's the show for tonight. I'm going to kick off now with Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. So in my intro, I wanted to uh, you know, see what you're thinking about the market right now. I know last week you said you were buying and then the market then went off a bit and there's a rebound on Friday where you're buying on Friday. And have you been buying today? I've been buying all throughout January. Actually, we went into January with around about 30% in cash and we've spent sort of uh, most of that now, um, expecting to see a bounce back in February. And I guess in January, what's dominated the markets is fears around expectations of how quickly interest rates will rise and the impact that will have on asset valuations. But I suspect that going into February, we're going to be refocusing and we're going to be refocusing on earnings season. So, Julia, tell us what you've been buying. I know last Monday you particularly mentioned Linus which is a company you like, you've done very well in predicting that, came off the ball, you bought more. What else have you been buying? Are we buying more Linus as well? I have been buying more Linus. I think if you could summarise my view of the market at the moment is overweight the miners. So whether it's the energy space, BHP, Billiton, the lithium miners, or Linus, which is in the rare earth space. I think these are all areas that are going to outperform in an inflationary environment, especially with China very much in focus post the Beijing Winter Olympics. I think China is going to be looking at revving up its economy. And we've seen signs of that already with China cutting interest rates. So I think that's a good backdrop for the miners. Probably um, just holding on the uh, on the financials at the moment, the banks are an interesting area because they should be rising in a rising interest rate environment. And yet we're not seeing that. So I think this reporting season is really going to be crucial, but just holding the same as the market in terms of the financials. And then the underweights, the things that we haven't held at all in December are things like tech stocks as well as property sectors and areas that are vulnerable to an interest rate rise. But these areas have come back so much. Now we're just dabbling in some of these stocks. So things like Wise Tech, Goodman Group, where we think the earnings outlook is still looking strong over the next two to three years. Mm, it's interesting. Uh, this is a company I'm not at all recommending, but uh, it was a hot company some time ago, Newix. I noticed today it's up 7%. So it's fallen so far, like you were saying, other investors probably are nibbling at such a low price, I think it's down to $1.40 or something like that. So we're probably going to see a bit of that. Now, Julia, is it fair to say, because you've got, you got this sort of bullish view on the global economy going forward. That's why you're in the resources space, correct? Is that right? I'm bullish resources because of China, because that's the main... Um, 
driver of our resource space. And China's cutting interest rates at the moment, looking to stimulate its economy. So I think it's a very different scenario from the fourth quarter of last year, where it was trying to cut steel production and trying to limit pollution ahead of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Well, the Beijing Winter Olympics will be in February, supposed that I think it will be ramping up once again. Um, and economic growth means that you do need things like copper and steel to be able to build, especially China, which is so heavily weighted to the property and construction space. And that's really why I like the material space. Um, and I guess in the financial space, just watching to see whether those rising interest rates will help the banks. Um, so watching those big four banks. And we have Commonwealth Bank and Westpac at the moment. At the moment, I think it, um, Commonwealth Bank's the retail space, so the housing market is vulnerable to interest rate hikes. Um, and so Commonwealth Bank is vulnerable to that. But having said that, you know, in a rising interest rate market, they should be getting better margins on their loan books. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I, I think the, the, the point I'd just like to discuss with you before we, we wind it up is that you've got this positive view on China. China is very important for world growth, isn't it? It is. China and the US are the two biggest uh, economies. And I guess investors are fearful in terms of what's happening in the US at the moment. And it's the speed of the interest rate hikes, which I think they're fearful of. The market at the moment is pricing in four interest rate hikes in the US this year. If we see more than that, then, you know, we could see an some more volatility coming through along the track. But of course, one piece of the puzzle is interest rates, but the other puzzle is also earnings growth. And here in Australia, where we are expecting to see earnings still growing by 13% this financial year, earnings should offer some measure of stability in uh, 2022. So looking at this year, yes, interest rates are going to impact, but the other side is that fundamentals also count and invest in those companies with that earnings growth coming through and you should do relatively well. Okay, one last thing I want you to, you know I have a capacity to think outside the square, Julia, that if, for example, Omicron starts to dissipate over March, and a lot of epidemiologists are implying that, that would mean that one of the, the causes of this supply chain problem becomes progressively less worse over time. So which, which means that the, that the supply chain linked to inflation becomes less worse over time as well. And if inflation is less worse over 2022, your interest rate scenario is more likely to happen. Four rather than seven. And some idiots are even saying eight interest rate rises in the US. Do you think some of those big, outstanding, uh, big scary calls of interest rates is partly behind some of the excessive volatility on the stock market at the moment? Pete, I feel like saying bingo, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. When we're looking at inflation, I guess it's caused by different thing, things. And when we talk about inflation, it's just rising prices or the cost of things rising. Part of that is going to be quite sticky. And I think that part comes from the commodity side of things, because we know that oil prices um, are a big source of inflation at the moment, because we are seeing higher fuel prices. I'm not sure if you've filled up at the petrol station lately, but uh, petrol prices are definitely getting expensive and higher petrol prices act like an interest rate hike on the economy. So that part, I think, is sticky. But there's another part that's caused by supply chain um, disruptions because of COVID the labour shortages um, and uh, the shipping costs and the shipping disruptions as well. And that part, I think, will start to ease as we see COVID having a, a smaller impact on economic growth and that dissipates. So I think you're right, Pete, that some of those, uh, that inflation will start to dissipate as a global 
growth comes through. But I guess um, central banks around the world are now fearful that we are going to see stronger than expected growth coming through. Okay, my final last question I'm going to ask you is, was there a lithium play that you liked that may well have been beaten up recently and you bought more of that, that particular play? Uh, well, I've bought more of two different lithium stocks. So we hold two different lithium stocks in our portfolio, Orchem, which is a top five producer globally, and also Pilbara Minerals, which is a hard rock producer. So uh, Pilbara Minerals has seen some very good pricing coming through, and usually hard rock is uh, higher quality than brine. But at the moment, because the demand for lithium is so strong, both are getting quite good prices. So look, we hold both of the, those uh, companies in our portfolio and look the focus very much I think is on China because China traditionally offers electric vehicle subsidies which helps to put a fire under that space so watching to see whether we are going to see some more subsidies coming through to help that electric vehicle space and of course at the moment supply just can't keep up with demand so if you're producing at these type of prices it's really nice place to be my general of thumb Pete with uh, commodity prices though is when you see a big supply response that's the time to start selling some of your stocks um, in that space because most minerals and most commodities aren't very difficult to get out of the ground. It just takes time. And at the moment, if you're producing um, lithium, well, you're in a great space because the rest of the market hasn't caught up yet. Tell us when you start selling, Julie. Um, <laughs> I will do, Pete. Okay. Thanks very much. That's Julia Laird, Berman Invest. And that was Julia Lee on her view on where the market is and whether it's a buying opportunity right now. Let's see what Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report thinks about this subject and a whole lot of other related issues that you might be thinking about if you're thinking about actually investing right now after the most recent sell-off of the stock market. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Um, it's been a bit of a sell-off. Uh, looks like from from the high, we're down about seven percent, Paul. Yeah, look, it's a, on average about seven percent, Peter. But a lot of stocks are actually down a lot more than yeah. that. And of course, uh, that seven percent falls the skies as the resources sector is up. So, and our biggest company, BHP, said have gone up a long way this month. Mm. And so, and the banks, in, by and large, haven't done that badly. So, a lot of companies are, are down a lot more than that seven eight percent. Probably the average loss mm. in most stocks is about twenty percent. Okay. Well, I am getting the question: you know, is, is this a buying opportunity? And from my point of view, Paul, one of the safest. Um, investments now would be to, to buy the index. But as you make the point, the real value is trying to pick those companies that have really been excessively beaten up by the markets. And we'll, we'll get to that later. But let's, before we um, address that, let's work out why the market's selling off. And it seems to me inflation, interest rates, tech stocks, and Omicron are all in the story. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think they are, Peter. And I think the case of Australia is we. I, I, until last week, I would have said we were largely just following America. I think our CPI last week was a little bit of a shock. Mm. Um, and that's probably hastened on um, maybe, I won't say changing in policy, but our Reserve Bank, but whereas, you know, the statement that uh, interest rates weren't going up to 2024 and that had become, they sort of dropped to 2024 and now the market's tipping, 
Yeah, pretty confident that we'll see an interest rate one or two increases this year. The first one only at 0.15, but by the end of the year, the market seems to think the cash rate will have gone up here by close to half a percent. Mm. But that's probably wasn't on the agenda until probably last week. So I guess that's the fact that we, you and I and others perhaps uh, hadn't quite appreciated. And uh, that certainly, I think, had a bigger impact that's, that's yeah. probably been credible. I think I was in the camp, well, no one was in the camp, that um, November was a, a real chance because I, I, I am a yep. great believer there's going to be a, a, a big economic rebound once Omicron can be, uh, can be beaten. Presuming it can be, um, but uh, the fact that I think Bill Evans was the first to say August could be the, the yep. first rate rise. Now I, uh, CBA's agreed with him. AMP Capital Shane Oliver agrees. It's, it's also thinking August is going to be the case. Now, is it because Paul of this surprise inflation jump? Or is it also because if Omicron does get beaten, we will have a pretty strong rebound on our hands. So you've got demand as well as cost pressures from all this Omicron supply thing. Yeah, all happy the same. I time. think yeah, that's true, Peter. I think it's a function of both a little bit of inflation, a little bit of uh, Omicron. You know, it's clearly it's peaked in mm. Australia and, and and most places, and yeah. we're going to get over that, and uh, the economy is going to rebound pretty strongly. I guess the other thing going a little bit in the favour of an earlier increase in Australia is by just the other central banks. I think it's the me too part, right? Yeah. We've got to realise that we're a small country, but central bank governors, they like to be on the same page of history, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, if everyone else is putting up interest rates, it's very hard to, to not do it here. So it's almost permission to, uh, I think, in terms of what the Fed said last week, mm -hmm. uh, has given the Reserve Bank here permission to sort of changes its tone a little bit. Mm. And I think we'll get a good read on that uh, tomorrow, Peter, when, uh, of course, 2.30, uh, we're not going to see interest rate increase, but whether we get anything more than just, yeah. you know, than just sort of the bland statement yeah. and uh, maybe alluding to the fact that maybe our central bank is going just a little more hawkish, right? Yeah. Um, and By and hawkish, that, for people who don't understand what the word hawkish means, is that so they're, they're sufficiently worried about the economy that they might have to raise interest rates earlier than expected. Yeah, and they may just be sort of conditioning the fact that they've changed their mind a little bit, right? So <laughs> it's... Uh, they could feel that there's a bit of egg on their face. Bit of egg on their face. So the really really gutsy call would be to be total egg on their face, right? <laughs> yeah. Take the yeah, pain we now. So we were totally wrong. And this 2024 stuff, I was smoking something, boys, <laughs> when I said that. I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow. No. I think we're just likely to get to say that they're noting the higher inflation and yeah. maybe, you know... You know, employment market's really strong. That's also the case. You know, yeah. employment's so low. That sort of, and, uh, you know, maybe just conditions the fact that it's the, uh, you know, Bill Evans and others are predicting we may see, you know, August, maybe November, some small interest rate increases. Yeah, because I think the most outlandish has the cash rate of 1% by end of the year, which I think is over the top. I also think that one thing about Dr. Phil Lowe, the RBA boss, he's quite aware of the value of a low dollar. And so if he yeah. if he delays it as long as he can, he probably will see the dollar fall, which would be good for him. But once he starts raising, I think there's going to be a bit of a comeback because the international outlook is that the global economy improves after Omicron, and that's going to be good for commodities and oil and
and those sorts of things that we sell. So I, I think the dollar is still going to rise sometimes this, this year, 2022. Yeah, if you look at just judging by commodity prices, they've had a really strong uh, month or two. Yeah. Um, despite all the, the negativity and all the worries about Omicron and everything else. And, um, mm. you know, so the, the outlook in terms of, uh, you know, I know some estimates have come down, but that's just the Omicron effect. But the outlook in terms of the recovery uh, is still pretty strong. So, Dr. Phil, you know, I don't think you'd like to see the dollar too much lower. 70 cents is sort of 70, 75 is their target. That's yeah. now around 70 cents. Uh, and, of course, if it got, does go a lot lower, that's actually inflationary, right? So yeah. we'd actually probably like to see, mm. you know, it, it pop up a little bit. So uh, that yeah. might be one reason why, Pete, that he's uh, just the tone changes a little bit. Yeah, and uh, uh, one really interesting point I picked up, this comes, comes from the uh, Morgan Stanley Chief Global Economic Economist, sorry, uh, Seth Carpenter. And he said, our baseline view is that most of the inflation will prove to be temporary but he as always pays to ask, what if we were wrong? Mm. Uh, but I, I still like the idea that a significant player at Morgan Stanley is still believing that this inflation that we're all worried about now could have been temporary. And my, my thinking, I wrote about this morning on Twitter Daily, I, I said that, okay, if Omicron dissipates and then supply chain problems start becoming less of a problem, yep. Well, then inflation starts coming down and then all this worry about uh, like seven or eight interest rate rises in the US might be pulled back to four yeah. or five. And that would be a good reason to help the market take off yeah. again, agree? Yeah, it would be. And I think people are forgetting about um, yeah, what drove, one of the factors that drove inflation sustainably lower was, of course, the huge boom out of technology and, and productivity Mm. You know, that made companies, you know, the whole disruption from all this new technology afraid to increase prices. Now, everyone is out there looking and pointing, pointing to supply chain and cost price pressures and all the mm. things we looked at in the 80s that caused inflation. What they're forgetting about is, uh, is whether the whole disruption effect from technology really can keep that sort of lid on stuff. So yeah. I think if you have the view that... Um, you know, that we'll get over the supply chain, um, you know, problems, yeah. and there will be a bit of pickup in wages growth, but we'll get through those things. Then you can take a view that inflation is going to return more back to where it was. Yeah. And for the bulls, I think that's that's a pretty powerful And point. as I was listening to you, I, I, it reminded me of a story I read last week, which I, I sort of took in my stride, but didn't put it in, in the context of what you just said then. Tesla's at the moment looking, at the, looking for the $25,000 car. Yeah. And so, like, when Tesla ship prices come down and people are buying electric vehicles, it's a very interesting story. You're right, the digital uh, economy has embedded a low level of inflation, and that could be really good for the stock market later on this year. And, that's and, it, and it should be good for tech, tech shares. Now, I think, again, mm. what's forgotten is that the tech leaders you know, the Microsofts or the Apples, they're all reporting pretty well yeah. in the US. So mm. um, I know we're going to come on to that, but yeah. uh, it's interesting that it's the technology part of the of the, uh, of the economy is actually doing really well in an earning sense, at least in the, the mega tech companies in the States. Yeah. So, so far, I think we've, we've laid the, the, the foundations that it's, it's, it's not dumb to think that the stock market can come back sometime over 2022. Working out when we move is, is an important part of the discussion I have with Paul right now. But let me ask this question personally: Have you been doing any buying lately? I've done a little bit of nibbling, Peter. I've do, I bought zero, and uh, yeah. you know, stocks I, that you like, yeah. been stocks up. I've liked. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to buy CSL. I'm, I'm obviously going to take part of the share purchase plan later this week. I haven't rushed into this because I just felt that um, the lead out of the US was too strong. Yeah. Right? and so um, and I, I don't think. That whole argument, you know, whether 
Clearly, we're not going to get any clarity on the Fed now until March. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it will only take a couple more outlandish figures and suddenly the market will go from talking four and a half increases to talking seven increases or something, right? Yeah. And they'll talk and, about supersize increases, yeah, like half a percent yeah, rise. And so that could cause a whole lot of nerves. So I don't think we're sort of um, out of this sort of nervy period yet. Yeah. And um, so I think that's going to probably produce some more opportunities. Now, I never work out. I, I never try to pick the bottom, right? I will not pick the bottom. Yeah. I know that. You've I, tried in I, your I've lifetime and <laughs> failed so, so often. Too hard. So you've got to nibble, and, and so I'm not using all my powder. But no. uh, I, I just feel we've got a little bit more in this. And um, the other thing that worries me a little bit locally, I, I mean, resource stocks, I think, are different. But the other thing that worries me locally is, is the election. Yeah. I know that's not till May, but you look at the poll this morning in, in, in the yeah. Australian, that's a horrendous poll, right? Yeah. Uh, Labor's de yeah, definitely a favourite. Uh, 56 to 44. That's going to be hard to come back. So, yeah, yeah the odds are going to be, you know, a weak Albanese government with independence or a weak prime minister. Mm. Yeah, there's a bit of political risk here in our market too. So market's not talking about that yet. So I can mm. just be a little bit careful. But um, I think it's a bit of selective buying, but hold hold a bit of power. Yeah, I must admit, I, I do like the way that they've um, given Albo a makeover. <laughs> yes. He's thinner, he's wearing glasses, a prime minister with glasses. Clearly can be better than the old Albo, that's for sure. And he can go to the tennis and sit next to Peter Costello, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, he's a balanced prime minister. All right, let's go to the next one, Paul, then. Um, so... You're not buying right now, but you are interested in... in I want a little bit of zero, but yeah. I, have, I haven't rushed into anything. I just And uh, some of the healthcare stocks are also sort of taking my fancy, but I'm just yeah. not rushing into zero. Okay. So, so what are the pros and cons of buying now? Well, I guess the, the I guess you've got to, um, you know, as all investors, you look at the long-term trend, right? Mm. The long-term trend, if you look at all the research coming out, we can, we're still pretty much in tax. So, yeah. you know, this we've come back towards... But back, we we're above trend line. We've come back pretty well on trend line. So, you know. I mean, like, if you take away the coronavirus yeah. crash and bounce, yeah. Yeah. that kind of line is being restored. So, the pros of buying now, Pete, as you get said, mm. uh, markets aren't getting carried away. There are lots of um, stocks that was, you know, there's lots of depth on the sell side. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's about 7,000. That's a reasonable level, I think. And, um, you know, it won't be the bottom, but. Mm. That at least you're getting set, yeah. And I think that's 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 the the pro now. The negative with that is is it goes low, like yeah. I think it will yeah. a little bit. Um, but I have to be quick on that because yeah. I think the rebound. I don't think it goes too much lower. So yeah. I think it's a question of timing thing. What what do you think is the pros and cons? Yeah, I think the the the, the, the con is that you buy too early and then you go wait for the catch up and go past it. But I do think that even if you get in too early, and I must admit, I'm going to be buying on this. I haven't bought yet. And I do think there's going to be a few more uh, negative days mm -hmm. and we might see the market even for four, four or 5%, but there's going to be lots of buyers then. And that's what I found interesting about today's trade. A company like Newix, which really has disappointed the market, I think it was up about 7% earlier today. And so, and the, and the price has really come off the wall. People are willing to give a company like that, which once was $11 stock, yep. uh, lots of problems within management, but still a basically good business idea. There are people coming in, and as with Tyro, for example, people have been buying Tyro today. A lot of the tech stocks have been bought today. And none of those people expect to make big money in the short term, but they'll probably make reasonable money in the short term. So I don't think there's a, a big problem buying early. As long as you're prepared to cop maybe for a month or two where you feel as though you've a bit of a dope, 
But by the end of the year, I think you'll be quite happy with it. Yeah. But next question, Paul, then is what happens if the big O disappears, say, by late March? What do you think would happen to, and by big O, I mean yeah. Omicron, yeah. of course. Yeah. What, what do you think will happen to the, the mentality of the market? Well, uh, I think the, the, the market's going to look, look pretty positively ahead. Mm. Uh, I think it's going to want to see in, in both, you know, confidence about people getting back to the office. Mm. I think that's important for, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, and probably wants to, um, you know, start to see some of the, uh, the so-called normalcy activities pick up. And they can all go very quickly, right? I mean, in Australia, you know, getting kids back to school in the next couple of weeks is really important. Mm. Uh, for, for confidence everywhere. The US is still you know, a bit different because they're, they're sort of having a few more challenges, I think. But uh, look, I mean, there are a lot of people saying we're at the end of COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, with the pandemic's over, it might be endemic, you know, but uh, a lot of people saying by June, July. People are looking up at endemic yeah, in there. Yeah. And right. I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm a health expert, so um, I'm just like everyone else got an opinion. But look, I, I think we're going to be, um, you know, the underlying stuff in terms of growth, economy, um, still favourable environment, low unemployment um, is all pretty good for, for a strong economy. Yeah, my, my view, Paul, is that uh, if, if Omicron gets sorted out by, by the middle of the year at the worst, I'd love it to be March, but say it's the middle of the year, we're going to get a rip-roaring rebound. Yeah. So every time a restriction and a lockdown has been taken, and that's going to be great for uh, company profits, outlooks, and they will ultimately drive um, share prices. So I think there's, I'm confident that the share price, the share market will rebound as long as we have no more Omicron-like problems. And that's a gamble. We just don't know. All right, so, so what sectors do you like then? Well, I still think the um, resources sector, so materials, mm. I think looks good. And I think that's, you know... Um, You've seen a huge recovery in the iron ore price. Now, I know a lot of this speculation about what happens in Chinese New Year, but the profits of those companies are going to be pretty good, right? Yeah. So uh, you're still seeing underlying demand for solar, underlying demand for, for, for copper and some of the, the rare earths and other materials. Um, so I think that's good. I think so resources sector, throwing the AMCORs of this world, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the oil price, I don't know why it doesn't want to come down, but it doesn't. So, right. um, you know. Well, the, I, I think there must be an anticipation that this boom I'm yep. talking about yep. will happen. If that happens, more planes are flying, more cars yep. are driving. And, of course, the demand for oil is going to be pretty big. Of course, OPEC then may well increase the supply and might not go through the roof. But still, that's... It seems like it's having trouble, though, increasing the supply. So yeah. um, that's what seems to be driving it. But they're so, not always in agreement, these guys, they're not, but, unless the price just really capitulates. But, you know, so I think that... I think the other third sector um, that I'm keen on is the healthcare sector. Now, it's been beaten up pretty hard this year. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people will still come and look for companies that can grow. And it's one of the few, few sectors that has all the positives in terms of... Uh, you know, all the demographics and other things that supportive tailwinds yeah. and the companies in there have growth. Yeah. And I reckon the market will come back to that sort of, I'm not a, you know, a lot of talk discussion, value growth, all the rest of the stuff. We know people rotate. Yeah. I don't think the, the market's yet abandoned growth, right? So um, I, I think it'll still come back to, yeah. to looking at sectors like that. It may take a bit longer, mm. but I think there's value starting to move to. Yeah, and I, and I think this, I'm going to start looking at some stocks that some of the... Um, investment banks have been giving a thumbs up to. Um, they like CSL. I think the, the analysts think it's about 23% upside. You, you mentioned the share purchase plan out this week. 
this is a company that really hasn't been advantaged by the coronavirus either. It has a problem. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a medical sector reopening type trade that when we get back to normal, this plasma business will improve. It will have this new business uh, they brought on board, which gives them uh, leverage in the kidney uh, mm-hmm. area. And it's people with diabetes and kidney cancers uh, is a big growth area, even it's a problematic one, but it's, it's, CSL has opportunities there. Uh, and I think you're right. Ramsey's an interesting one. Uh, a, a couple of uh, analysts don't like Ramsey, but others do. It's sort of like some like it, some don't. Yeah, I think Ramsey's finding it hard because of, um, you know, obviously, obviously not just in Australia, but also in the UK. You know, it's um, it, private hospitals have done it pretty tough because mm. they've had to be on almost a sort of a second line for the governments in terms so of being... nationalised in a sense. It's quasi-nationalised, and that's helped them for some income flow. But, yeah. you know, in Australia, at least a lot of... Um, you know, operations have been put off, and so uh, bed bookings and, and hospitals are down. Yeah. That'll come back, but it just takes time. So uh, there's been a bigger COVID impact on, on Ramsey than perhaps many other stocks. Stock price has done still pretty well, though, Pete. Yeah. Uh, I know I, it's sort of... Um, people it, buy it on the dip. People they? buy it on the dip, so it's come back. I was, it wasn't late December, it was up near $70. It's back to about 61 62 That's, mm. uh, that's a 15% pullback on really... Not much news. Mm. Uh, so that's probably saying look attractive. Okay. Um, now, Westpac, troublesome bank, but the share price is down. Uh, analysts think there's 26% upside over the course of the year. Is, is it a, a speculative buy, Paul? Uh, I think, I don't think it's a speculative buy. I think it's, um, I think, a I, I think, well, look, they're about to complete a $3.5 billion buyback. I mean, I think there's probably still better value in NAB um, if you think the economy is going to recover. Yeah. Uh, look, Westpac, you know, for longer term, yes, we need to see the management get the act together with the bank. Mm. And you can take a view that the banks, you know, there's get this sort of, um, you know, they revert back to the mean. And so in due course, Westpac will revert back to being as good or as bad as the other three majors. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably the upside to buy Westpac. Uh, it's just taking a while, and we've got to. I'm just not 100% sure about the management, Pete. But uh, look, I, I certainly wouldn't be selling my Westpac shares. Mm. Uh, and in fact, you know, for the buyback, we're recommending people go into that, purchase them back on market. Mm. That's going to help, but it's reduced the share base by about 5%. So um, look, yeah, I mean, I think the analysts like it. The analysts are also bearish and CBA have been wrong about that. So, you know, I, they're, they're just saying, I think, saying when they do the crunch the numbers, they don't know why Westpac is trading at a, more of a discount to its peers, mm. and um, that's what the 26% tells you. Okay. One that has surprised me, some people like it and some people don't, and that's Seek, and I, I do like Seek. I, I think this economy is improving and yeah, the market's getting tired of the job market. It's going to be good for a company like that, and the analysts think that 22% upside. You like Seek? Yeah, I liked it when it was a lot cheaper, Peter. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I went off it when it got into the 30s, mm. um, and I found it hard to get back in again. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, Seek is, is a growth business. You know, it's got its, its Chinese business, which uh, which is, uh, you know, hard to get a handle on what it's really worth. Um, look, I, I'm probably can see why the analysts like it, but um, at the moment, I probably, I'm seeing that as being a little bit expensive. But, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll leave, I won't disagree with the analysts in terms of the upside forecast. Okay, UBS likes a company called BWX, and the analysts think 69% upside. I don't know much about BWX. Do you? Well, it's a, it's a skincare and other products. Oh, okay. 
uh, if I've got well, that right. The well is there. Uh, yeah, uh, no, look, I, I can't say I'm an expert on the company. Right. So, uh, oh, but uh, the, the numbers seem so big. I the the numbers, uh, there are some positive forecasts out yeah. there. The one well, I did like is a part of my Z stocks is that they, uh, this is UBS, uh, they like EML payments. They've got 37, uh, analysts think about 37% upside. Um, it, it's had a terrible battle with the, the Bank of Ireland, hasn't it? It uh, has. The business yeah. it acquires, yeah. but it is interesting. But it's in the payment space. And I want to finish on this. Payments companies have really copped it. Is it because they're tech or is it because it's just too many payments businesses? Around? Yeah, well, the pay whole payment sector is re-rated, Peter. And, um, What's that mean, Paul? Well, um, people say, what's he talking about? Well, when, when um, you know, the way that institutional investors and brokers work globally is they, they look at companies around, around the globe and they put them together into industries, mm -hmm. payments as an industry. And they sort of come up with a view that, okay, well, we'll listen, we look at apply various multiples and say that, you know, an average payments company might be trading on a multiple of uh, enterprise value to sales of, you know, five times or eight times, whatever the number is. And that's the sort of median. And so, you know, a really good one, you might pay 10 times for it and a not so good one, you pay three times. Well, yeah. when, when it's three rates, it's sort of the median multiple changes. And it so drops. It drops. Or goes up. Or goes up. Yeah. And so collectively, you know, I'm not saying they all got together and said, let's re-rate them, but, no. but somehow the industry decided that, that this this sector doesn't have the... The, um, the Kavorka that it used to have. It, that's right. And so the, now where the median model is has changed yeah. and everything around it has changed and, right. and it's now going to... It's hard for every company to go right. too far away from it. So, 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 so is, if a big company like Square comes out and buys another one at, at, a, at a premium price... Well, that really well, that, 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 that helps, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and Square Square's a great example. Well, blockers, we really should care. Yeah, they right. have to yeah. pay holders, which is uh, you know, it's just, it basically halved in price over the last twelve months. Yeah. So that's a that's a massive re-rating, and you'll find most companies in that payment sector have come down a long way. Yeah. So your EMLs and all your local yeah. equipments. And, and even PayPal and got in there. Yeah. It's copied yeah. as well. Hasn't now Visa and Mastercard also came in. Now Visa reported well on the weekend or on Friday, I think it was, yeah. and its up shares went through the roof. So yeah. it may be that we've had to rethink it, but but payments uh, companies have changed. And um, that's just the, the market does tend to go through, I won't say it's hype cycle, but it tends to fall in love with sectors and industries. And yeah. and then- As it was with and, the buy, buy now pay less. But. Yeah, and then it rotates out of that after a while for some other reason. And this is sort of what we're sort of seeing now. So, and yeah. that usually causes some sort of re-rating. I mean, just to come out the stocks, see a couple of stocks I do like at the moment, mm -hmm. Peter. Uh, I know you're a huge fan of Macquarie Bank, but I hadn't, I hadn't realised that's fallen by 10% just in the last week and a half, yeah. right? I don't think there's anything fundamentally changed in no. that business, right? right. So and His exposure to America probably has brought it down, down a little bit, but if I think America's going to eventually come good, Macquarie will. Well, it gets labelled and sort of, they, they look at it globally and, you know, the Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, and those businesses have far more in terms of, uh, you know, trading activities, mm. you know, uh, investment, whereas Macquarie's more your classic sort of, well, it's not just an investment bank, but it makes it money out of corporate finance, out of leasing yeah. the aircraft, a whole lot of engineer-type yeah. transactions. Yeah. It's right? not just trading. It's not just trading. It doesn't have it, – it's a big trader by local standards, but it's trading is a small part of its revenue, right? It really is. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's looking like if you, you know, looking like quite good value. Sears, uh, we, we talked about, um, yeah, there, there are – and, and I think there are, there are a couple of sort of – some of those companies – 
top name companies that have come down 10 or 15%. They're the ones I'd be looking at. Yeah, you know, zero, for example, yeah. uh, some of the tech areas. Yeah, it's a great strategy by quality companies when they're beaten up, because even if you get it wrong temporarily, you're holding a great quality company. And as you can see, both Paul and I agree, there's going to be a buying opportunity uh, out there waiting to happen. We don't know when it's going to, when it's going to happen, but we will be, the, you know, the Switzerland investing program, we'll be looking for it and we'll give our, our best view on the matter. At the moment, we're not, you know, rushing to, to buy big time, but there will be a time when we think there'll be a, a good opportunity to get in there and we'll certainly let you know. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. That's a show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, remember, there's a Thursday show, so that was the Monday show for this week. The Thursday show is out there waiting to happen. Thanks for joining us. I'll talk to you then.